0: Well, good morning, my name is Reed and uh, I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, yeah, I'm so glad that you guys are with us. Uh, And if it's your first time here, I'm especially glad that you're joining us. You picked a great Sunday uh, to be here. You got back to school splash going on out on the lawn. Uh, We got some exciting things going on around the church. And today uh, we're concluding a, a series that we've been in, uh, a series that we're calling For God So Loved uh, Gwinnett. And the series has been all about this word evangelism. We've been talking about evangelism, which is just a fancy church word for sharing good news. Right and 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 so uh, the good news you might ask uh, if if you if you hadn't been around uh, church uh, f- or ever or in a while uh, what is the good news uh, that we Christians believe that we have to share well it's the good news that we call uh, the gospel and the gospel is that God so loved that he gave Jesus so that anybody by faith can enter into a relationship with. Him, And so uh, we think that that is the best news out there and, and we feel uh, compelled to share it, right? We think, and so what we've been talking about in this series is that, hey, evangelism is something that Christians, that we ought to be engaged in. It's a big deal to God. God wants everyone everywhere to know that he loves them and that he wants a relationship with them. And so if it's a big deal to God, it ought to be a big deal to us, And so we've been talking about that in this series, uh, but we also recognize that even though it's important and even though a lot of us who maybe you've been around church for a while, you know, it's something we should be doing is talking about our faith, sharing our faith, sharing that good news, right? The gospel shouldn't be our best kept secret. Even though we know that, that we should be, we, we, we've kind of admitted together that it, it can be awkward. It could be weird, it can feel uncomfortable, it can feel kind of icky at times, especially uh, the way that a lot of us have either seen it or experienced it done, uh, especially when it's been done poorly. Uh, And so we, we see that and we're like, ugh. Like, so how do we do this? That's what we've been talking about in the series. How do we go about sharing our faith sharing the good news of the gospel, letting people know that God loves them and wants a relationship with them no matter who they are, where they're from or what they've done. How do we go about getting that message out in a way that's not wacky or weird? Uh, How do we go about sharing that in a way that's kind, that's compassionate, that's compelling? How do we do that? And so uh, if you missed last week, um, uh, Brooklyn started by sharing a simple and yet practical method uh, of sharing the gospel. She talked about the power of an invitation. And uh, Brooklyn, uh, apparently she did such a great job because uh, people came down to the front afterwards and asked me if I had my resume ready. And I was like, wow, uh, super encouraging. let me know what you think about my preaching, right? And so, uh, no, but she, she did a fantastic job talking about the power of an invitation. And we looked at the life of Jesus and, and we looked at uh, the, the power that just a simple invitation, a simple come and see, uh, come check it out, uh, come and sit with me, come and see for yourself and experience this love of God that has so impacted me, right? A simple invitation, we learned, can have a significant impact. And then, uh, she, so she concluded that. And now this week, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about one more method, uh, another way of sharing our faith um, that that all of us can and ought to be participating in. And so to do that, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a look at the life of this guy uh, called the Apostle Paul. And and if you're not familiar with Paul, I'll give you a little background on Paul. Uh, Paul was a a Jewish, a first century Jewish uh, leader, uh, religious leader, uh, who then ends up, he's persecuting the church, but he ends up having a, a dramatic experience with the resurrected Jesus, a dramatic encounter with the resurrected Jesus. If you're interested to read about it, you can read all about it in Acts chapter nine. And, uh, and, and so he has this encounter with the resurrected Jesus that changes everything for him. And he goes from a church and a Christian persecutor uh, to a, a missionary and an evangelist. And he goes and travels, uh, much of uh, Europe and, uh, and and Asia and the Middle East. He travels around sharing the gospel and planting churches. And uh, and and he did it with great effect to the point where um, he's made an impact. His, his teaching, his writings, and his missionary journeys have affected uh, the entire world. Definitely Christian history, but certainly also uh, world history. And so he's made a huge difference. And what we're going to look at this morning is we're going to look at one of his letters that he wrote where he shares with us some of the methods that he used in order to share the good news in a way that was effective that was compelling that was kind, that was courageous, and that was compassionate and so we're going to look at, at, at his method for sharing the gospel for sharing the good news of Jesus where wherever he went and so uh, if you have a Bible, uh, you can turn here. We're gonna be in First Thessalonians chapter two. Uh, so if you got a Bible and you wanna turn there, amazing. If you wanna look it up on your smartphone, you can do that too. Or don't worry if you don't have any of those things ready, um, I've got you covered. I'm gonna put mine up there. And so you can just wait until we go, 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 gadget Bible, and then pff, and it'll be up there. And so I got you covered, right? Uh, but I want you to see it this morning. We're gonna take a look uh, at 1 Thessalonians chapter two. Two and I'll just give you a little context while some of you are turning there for First Thessalonians. So the Apostle Paul, I told you, was a missionary and and an evangelist, and he went around sharing the good news of Jesus with everybody that he could, planting churches, and he actually went on three missionary journeys. Now. Some of you who have uh, gone on lots of mission trips, you're like just three, like I've been on like 12, like don't you even know? And so like um, uh, before you get on your high horse, just so you know, he didn't have airplanes, right? And so, uh, so the apostle Paul traveled hundreds of miles and he did it like usually on foot or on, uh, uh, on a boat and he traveled hundreds of miles to dozens of cities over the course of his entire adult life. And so uh, th- these were all of his adult life years he spent on these missionary journeys. And so uh, his second missionary journey, he found his way uh, to a place called Thessalonica. Uh, And when he got there, uh, he did what Paul does. He shared the good news of Jesus and he started a church. Uh, But his time actually got cut short uh, a little bit. He wanted to stay longer, but due to some intense persecution that Paul was facing, he actually had to leave early. For his safety and for the safety of the church, Paul actually had to leave early. And so he left early and he traveled to some other cities. And while he was in one of those other cities, he decided he would take a moment and he was gonna write back to this church just to check in on him. He's like, hey, our time got cut short. I'd love to write, check in on you, see how things are going He's like, I wanna encourage you, encourage you to keep going and keep growing in your faith. He's like, I actually wanna like finish teaching you some things that I didn't have the opportunity to teach. And also I wanna correct some things that I've heard like have gotten mixed up into your faith. Um, And and so he writes to address all of these things in in this letter. And in chapter two though, in chapter two of this letter, uh, first Thessalonians, uh, the apostle Paul actually recounts his time together with these people. And it's in this recounting of their time together that we're gonna see one of the methods that the Apostle Paul used for sharing his faith with these friends. And, and we're gonna learn what made his time with them so impactful. And it's my hope today that as we look at that, that we'll learn some things along the way so that we too can live lives uh, that are impactful and effective the way the Apostle Paul did. So this is 1 Thessalonians chapter two. This is the scene. And this is what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, he says, you know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. Results. So he's recounting their time together and he says, hey, you guys remember when I was with you, like, like there were results, stuff happened when we were together. Like lives were transformed. People put their trust in Jesus. You saw miracles. And some of you were like, miracles? What's a miracle? A miracle is getting 2,600 students there and back without anybody dying. You know what I mean? Like, so you too have witnessed miracles in your midst, right? Like, and, so, and so the apostle Paul's like, hey, like there was there, like incredible things happened. Lives were changed. We started a church, you guys. Like it was a big deal. Like, so our, my time with you was not without results. You remember it, right? Like it made a difference. It was, it was effective. And this is not Paul just hyping up his time together with them. Like we know actually, if you go back and you look in Acts chapter 17 and 18, you can read about Paul's time together in Thessalonica. And it's crazy. Apparently it really was impactful. There were some things going on while he was there because it says that while he was there and he was sharing this good news of Jesus, that people just started flocking to the message. They started coming to to where Paul was, where he was preaching. As Paul's preaching this good news of the gospel that God loves, that God forgives, that God wants a relationship with each and every one of you. As Paul is preaching this message that everyone, yes, everyone was created in the image of God and so is worthy of dignity. As Paul is preaching this message that, that, that the last will be first. As Paul is inviting the least and the last and the lost, people are flocking to this message. And lives are being changed. And it's upending the whole social system in this city. And it says that they actually, like so many people were coming uh, to hear this message and being a part of it, it says in Acts chapter 17, it says that, um, that they tried to go and arrest Paul, but they couldn't find Paul. Cause I guess everybody like put him in somebody's basement or something. And then, uh, and so instead they just arrest this other guy named Jason. They're like you. Come on, you know what I mean? Like, like, if we can't get Paul, we got Jason, you know? And he's like, what, why? And so they, they grab Jason and they drag him in front of the city council. And they're like, hey, this is one of those guys. And then the way they describe the Christian movement in Thessalonica, they say, this is one of those guys, they're upending the whole world. In one version it says, in one translation it says, they're turning the entire world upside down. That's the difference that they were making. The people in the city are like, what is going on? Everyone is wanting to get in on this thing because of the way these people are loving, because of the way these people are serving, because of the way that they are welcoming, it is turning the entire city, it's, t- it's turning the entire world upside down. When I read that, I was thinking, man, wouldn't that be amazing? What if that was said of us? What if that was said of us? That man, I don't know if I believe what those people believe, but the way they love, the way they serve, the way they welcome, the way they've invited, it's making a difference. People are flocking there. It is turning Gwinnett County upside down. It's wild. Paul says, that's, that's the kind of effect that it had the last time we were together. The question remains though, so what was he doing? How did he do it? How was he having that kind of, of an impact. He's gonna, he's gonna unpack it for us here in a moment, but we gotta keep reading to see what it was that he was doing that was so effective and impactful. And so he, he keeps going. He said, we had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi. He says, as you know, but, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. So Paul says, hey, you remember the, the scenario in which we came to you? He's like, we had suffered in Philippi. The, Paul had come to Philippi first on his missionary journey before he made his way down to Thessalonica. And uh, while he was in Philippi, this is where he planted what many people believe is the first church in Europe, in Macedonia. And he plants this church there in the house of a woman named Lydia who invited him in so that he could share the good news with her friends and her coworkers and her family members. And so uh, he starts the first church there and the same thing happens. He has the same effect. People just start rushing to hear this message, especially the last and the least and the lost. They're running to it because they're being invited in and they, they've normally been outcasts in their society. And here's Paul going, you can get in on this too. And so in Philippi, it causes such a ruckus, such good trouble is going on that all of a sudden they, the, the persecution starts and they wanna run Paul out of town. And so he, they actually rough him up, they beat him up, and then they put him in jail. And then once he's released from jail, uh, he makes his way down to Thessalonica. And so he's like, you know that I got roughed up and beat up before I came down here. And yet still I wanted to share the good news with you at great personal cost, I still wanted to share the gospel with you. And, and I, I love this because you're wondering like, well, what makes somebody want to keep sharing even when it's cost them personally, even when they face strong opposition? What causes somebody to then wanna continue to share that message? Well, he's gonna, he's gonna share it with us. He says, for the appeal that we make does not spring from error or from impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. He's like, look, I didn't come to to deceive you. He's like, I am actually convinced. He's like, I'm convinced that this is true and it's changed my life. He's like, I didn't come to, I'm not trying to lie to you. I'm not trying to deceive you. I didn't make something up when I was on my way to see you in, in order to gather some kind of like big movement or build a big church or build a big brand. He's like, look, that, that wasn't my goal. He's like, I'm actually convinced that this is true. It's not from error and it's not to trick you. So he goes, I'm convinced it's true and that it's changed my life. And he says, on the contrary, he says, we speak as those approved by God. He's like, now I think I'm convinced that it's true. It's changed my life. And I think God wants you to know. I think God wants you to know that you're loved, that you're forgiven, that you're accepted, and that you can have a relationship with him through Jesus. He's like, so I'm convinced it's true. It's changed my life. And I think God wants you to know He says, we're not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. He says, you know, we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. Even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. He's like, look, when we came to town, we risked, our lives, sharing the good news with you. Not because we were looking for power or popularity, not because we were looking for political gain, uh, and not because we were uh, looking for prosperity. We weren't trying to build a big brand or build a big church. He's like, no, 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 no. We were convinced that it's true. This gospel is true. We were convinced that it's true and that it's changed our life and that God wants you to know. What Paul's saying is, hey, you know why I came and did that? You wanna know my motive? I was championing the thing that changed me. I was championing the thing that changed me. And y'all know this, this is true. We all champion what changes us, don't we? We all champion what changes us, right? Whether it's a diet, for some of you, you went gluten-free a couple years ago and you're just like, oh my gosh, I have health God. You know what I mean? Like You're like, it's amazing, right? Like I went gluten-free and now it's so good and now I'm eating all your bread. And so like, it's like, Like you champion though what changes you, right? Like you felt good on that diet and now other people, like literally, my wife, she did this a few years ago. She went gluten-free for some thyroid stuff and now she feels great. And whenever anybody is like, oh my gosh, I feel a little bit like bloated. She's like gluten-free, you know what I mean? Like, and so she is the gluten-free evangelist, you know what I mean? Like, and, and because you champion what changes you right it's 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 that way some of you that that have done the keto thing right you're like oh yeah like butter fat whole milk give it to me you know what i mean like and 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 now people are like oh man i'm looking to you know fight this dad bod and you're like keto papa you know like and so and so you're you're championing something that changed you right it affected you it, you feel healthier you feel better and so you've shared it some of you it's it's maybe not the diet but it's like a gym that you joined right like crossfitters we get it you're strong and so like like it's like you know, it, it, you, you champion though what changes you. You're like, hey, I tried this exercise. I tried this thing. I do this cold plunge in the morning. It's amazing. You know what I mean? Like, and, and so you champion what changes you. So maybe it's a workout, maybe it's a diet. It's, it's some kind of a exercise. For, for some of you, it's a, it's, it's a habit that you've changed and, and, and you made a decision and you've started this habit. You made a lifestyle change. And, and because of that, like you, you feel better you feel more effective, more productive. Your mind is clear. It's made a difference. Maybe, maybe, maybe you, you started going to bed earlier so that you could get up a little bit earlier. You got a morning routine now. For some of you, it's a spiritual practice. You get up in the morning and you spend time with the Lord. You read your Bible. You pray. For some of you, you just get up in the morning and you're able to plan your day and you just get up before your kids do so you're not playing from behind. And so for some of you, it's it's, you made a lifestyle change and it's affected you and now you're, you're sharing that with other people? And they go, man, you look like you're feeling refreshed. You're like, yeah, this is what I'm doing because you champion what changes you. For some of you, it's, it's a book that somebody gave you. They were like, hey man, I think you should read this. I think you'd enjoy it. And you read it and it changed your perspective it changed the way you think about things. It changed the way you approach life. And, and now you've got like four copies like in your car. And whenever somebody's like, hey, I'm having a hard day, you're like, ha ha, you know? And you just hand the book to them. And for you, maybe, maybe it's a book that you read that, that impacted you. And now you're sharing it with other people because you champion what changes you. For some of you, it's a podcast. You listen to it and, and now you listen to it every single day and you share it with everybody else. Hey, is there anything I should be listening to? Let me tell you about this. And, and you share it for some of you. For some of you, it's, it's therapy. You've been fighting it for a long time and you just finally got to the place where you were tired of snapping on the people that you love and you realize that your mood is affecting other people's mood and that you lack the tools to process what's really going on and where that came from. And so you finally tried therapy for the first time and it's helping you. And now whenever somebody asks, hey, you know, I'm dealing with some stuff. You're recommending, hey, you should try therapy. I'm telling you, I know. I was arms crossed, eyes rolled. I didn't think it was for me, but it's impacting me. You should give it a shot because you champion what changes you. For some of you, for some of you, it's addiction recovery. You had tried to white knuckle your way to sobriety only to realize that on your own, you don't have the tools. And finally you hit rock bottom and you came to the end of yourself, which is honestly a great place to get because the end of you is the beginning of grace anyway. But you finally hit rock bottom and you showed up to a group and you started talking to some other people and you got yourself a sponsor and now you're a year sober and you want everybody to know. You want everyone to know. You want all your old friends that you used to drink and party with, you want them to know that they can experience what you've experienced. And so you're sharing it with them. Sorry, I got this cord. But you want them to experience what you've experienced. For some of you, that's it. But we all champion what changes us. And what the Apostle Paul is writing to them is he's like, hey, you remember when I was with you guys? It was impactful. Our time together was impactful. I don't want you to forget the difference that it made. And he's like, and and I did that. I shared this message with you at great personal risk. I had been beaten and jailed before, but I did it. not, Not to try to trick you, not to deceive you, not to bully you or to make you feel bad. I shared the gospel with you, not because it was a duty or an obligation or a job. He's like, I did that for you. I shared that with you. I shared the gospel with you because you champion what changes you. And he goes, I was convinced it was true and it's changed my life. And I think God wants you to know about it too. He's like, that's that's why I shared it with you. So if you're questioning my motives, look, I didn't want anything from you. I just wanted something for you. I just wanted something for you. And now he's gonna go into how he went about doing it. Now we're gonna see his method. You've heard his motive. That's his heart. He's like, look, I didn't want anything from you. I just wanted something for you. My motives were pure. That's why I came and shared it with you. I wasn't trying to get anything out of this. He says, instead, he said, we were like young children. Some of your your translations might say gentle. We were gentle among you. He says, we were like young children among you. He says, just as as a nursing mother cares for her children, He says, so we cared for you because we we loved you so much. You guys, as we talk about evangelism, something that we said week one that I'll continue to remind us all of is that love must be the motivation for evangelism. It's love for people, right? Not a desire to be right, right? but a desire to love and for them to experience what you've experienced. That's the motivation. And if love is not our motivation, this is where we so often get it wrong. Listen, church, if love is not our motivation for sharing the gospel with somebody, then you could be right and you'd still be wrong. If love is not our motivation, you could have all the right answers and still be wrong if that's not our motivation. It's says it's, it's love That motivated me. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul will say in another place, he'll say, If you have all the talent, all the ability, all the giftedness, and all the right answers, but you don't have love, he says, You're just noise. You're just noise. You're just a clanging cymbal in people's ears. You'll never be received that way. He says, But we loved you so much. He says, and we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. He says, surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and our hardship. He said, we worked night and day in order not to, not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. He says, you're our witnesses. And so is God of how holy and righteous and blameless we were among you who believed. And then he says, for you know, that we dealt with each of you as a father, deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Apostle Paul says, this is my method. This is what proved to be so effective. This is how I shared the gospel with you all. And so we get a glimpse into his method and he gives us these three pictures of how he went about sharing the gospel with people. And the three pictures, he starts and he says, he says at first, he says, we were, we were gentle like children. And those of, some of you with kids in the room, you're like, gentle children? You're like, who are those kids? Like, those aren't my kids. You know what I mean? Um, I have one, my middle son, who is that. He is a gentle child. And um, he's the one that convinced us to have the third one who is not. And, uh, and yeah, he is the opposite of gentle child. As a matter of fact, this week, uh, he broke his arm uh, on Monday, or rather I should say I broke his arm, uh, not like, but like, you know, like we were, we were playing. And, and don't worry, we've already gone to the doctor and they've said, you know you don't have to call defects, okay? So no emails later. Uh, but but uh, this week we were playing and uh, we did the thing that mom told us not to do, which is we wrestled after showers. Mom says all the time, she goes, hey, listen, Reed, don't rile them up. After showers, it's time to be settling down. We're going to bed. And I was like, yes, ma'am. You know what I mean? Like, um, But then uh, we got upstairs and we got out of bath time and they were like, let's wrestle. And I was like, yeah. And so, uh, and so we wrestled. We got on the bed and like they're jumping on our bed and, oh, man, yeah. and I'm like knocking their legs out. It's a classic dad move. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then, uh, and I just caught his leg and he bam, and he broke his arm. On the bed. He didn't even fall off the bed. People are like, did he fall off the bed? No, he hit the soft bed. And and so, uh, so maybe he needs to drink more milk. And so, um, but he broke his arm and uh, we thought that that was gonna like calm him down. Like now he's gonna like be more cautious. And he's not. He's not cautious at all, guys. He jumped off the stage this morning uh, and landed on his feet, thank God, right? Because I didn't want two casts. <laughs> you know, um, so... So he's wild, right? So you're thinking gentle child, what are you talking about? No, no, no. But, but what Paul's talking about when he says, hey, we were like children amongst you. We were gentle like children. He's talking about the kindness and the curiosity and the humility that kids approach life with. And, 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 and so I was thinking about the picture that is better than, than my youngest son. The picture uh, is, you know I brought my kids to the, the park recently and, um, and we went over to E.E. E. Robinson Park. And when we got there, um, I just unleashed them. They're running around and playing and they ran up and there's these other kids that are at the park. And have you ever watched when kids go to the park together, like what happens? Like they just run up and they're like, are we friends? And the kids are like, yeah, you know, like, and they're, they're like, all of a sudden they're just like connected and they're asking each other questions like, what's your name? What's your name? Where do you live? This other kid's telling him the address and you're like, dude, don't do that. Stranger danger, you know? He's like, I live at 2422. And you're like, whoa. And so like, they're sharing each other's that, Do you want to come to my birthday? Yeah, you know? And they're, they're taking an interest in each other. They're sharing likes and dislikes. Hey, I'm playing this. Do you want to play this? Absolutely. Afterwards, can we play this? Yes. And so like they're out there and that's the way Paul's going, hey, you know what? When I came to you, we were gentle like children. We came to you curious about your life, wanting to get to know you, taking an interest in you, asking questions, right? Like actually caring about what you care about. We took an interest in you. We were gentle like children, curious and kind like kids are on the playground. That's the picture that he's painting. He goes, we were, we were gentle like children amongst you, which is part of what made the gospel so effective. He said, not only that though, not only did we take a genuine interest in your life, he says, but also we were like moms. He says, we were like nursing mothers amongst you, caring for their kids. He, you, you've seen a mom with a, with a new baby, right? Like, like the way that they love and they care for that baby. Oh, y'all, a good mom? She does whatever it takes. She's there for every cry, every like little peep. You haven't even heard the peep and she's there, you know? It's late nights, it's early mornings, it's late night feedings, it's every cry, it's every squeal, they're there. I mean, this week when Landon broke his arm, my wife, it was like she had a bag of ice in her pocket. I was like, where did that even come from? She was so fast. I was like, what do I do? And she was like, W-w-w-w-w-w-w-w-w. you know, like, and she's got the ice ready. She's got them wrapped up. She's like, I'm going to the hospital. I was like, I can take him. She was like, no, you've done enough. And so <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> it's amazing. You watch a mom with her kids. They, they do whatever it takes. And Paul goes, that's how we were amongst you. We were like a mom. Caring. We were there to serve your needs. We were there. We were there to wipe your tears. We were there to help you up when you felt beat down. We were hel- we were there. Uh, we brought meals when somebody got sick or somebody got hurt. We showed up for you. We, we were there for the late night conversations and the early morning coffee. We were there in the hospital when you were hurting. We were there for you. We were there when you couldn't make rent that month, and we were helping to provide it. We were there just like a nursing mom cares for her babies. He goes, we served you and we sacrificed for you. We took a genuine interest in you. We were gentle like children. We loved and served you like a mom does her babies. And then he gives one more picture of how he shared the gospel with them. In the last picture, he says, we were like dads. We were like, he's like, me and my friends, you remember it. We were like fathers amongst you, inspiring you, encouraging you breaking your arms, you know, <laughs> season. I'm milking that one for all it's worth, right? So now he's like, we were there to comfort and, and to encourage, inspire you along the way to cheer you on, right? I was thinking about this. I always knew you guys uh, when my dad was at one of my games, always, and it's because um, he has the loudest voice. Uh, he's short, so I couldn't see him, but like I could always hear him I'm short too, but I get to stand on a stage. And so like, but I, you, could, you could hear him. He would go, let's go, Rito. And you're like, whoa. And usually he was encouraging. Not always, but like usually, you know, usually he's encouraging. So you could always tell when he was there, right? Yelling out that encouragement, that inspiration, right? Like, like good dads do. I was thinking about it this week. And, uh, you know, earlier this summer, um, I, and I'm far from a perfect dad, y'all i don't get it right um I'm, I'm a work in progress. I'm, I'm fumbling my way through this thing, just trying to keep my daughter from having too much therapy because of me. You know what I mean like but but my daughter she's she's playing basketball and she was going to a basketball camp this summer, and she had not touched a basketball all summer, so she was like nah, nah, you know, and I was like, that is awful and so we gotta we gotta fix some of this before we send you to camp, and your name my name is on the back of your jersey, and so like <clears throat> And so we're like, you know, we're trying to fix things up. And so we're getting out in the driveway and getting her to bounce the ball and take some shots. And and so I made a deal with her. I said, Blakely, I was I was like, if if you can make five free throws, we'll go get you some gibbets for your Crocs. And she was like, Yeah. And so so she's she's in now, right? And so we're 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 going and, and, and she's shooting some free throws and and she's just tossing up bricks. I mean, it's brick city. And so she's, you know, it's one, it bounces out. It's two, it bounces out. It's like four bounces out. And so, so she's getting frustrated. You know, the more, the more she misses the madder she gets. And so then there's just weeping and gnashing of teeth, like in our front driveway. (laughs) And, and I'm going, Hey, I'm not going to give up on you. Come on, girl. There, wipe those tears away. I can cry. You can't, you know what I mean? Like, and so I'm like, I'm like, you gotta lift, lift your head up. Keep shooting, don't give up. Don't you dare give up. You're talented, you've got this. I'm encouraging her, I'm trying to inspire her. We're out there for probably half an hour. She she finally hits her fifth. Yes! She's hugging me. She's like, thanks so much for not giving up on me. Yo, that's what the apostle Paul said he was doing for people. He's like, you remember when I was with you? I took a genuine interest in you the way that kids take interest in each other. He's like, I served you and I sacrificed you the way a mom does her kids. And I cheered you on and would not let you give up on you when you wanted to give up on you. When you were one step forward and two steps back, when you were still a hot mess, even though you'd professed faith in Jesus, and then you ran right back to the same old sins and the same old habits. He goes, I was there cheering you on, picking you up, encouraging you, inspiring you, rooting for you to become all that God had called you to become just like a dad. That's how I showed up for you. That's how I shared the gospel with you. There's this beautiful sentence, you guys, in here that I think sums it up. Sums up Paul's approach to sharing the gospel. This is what he says. This is in verse eight. He says, because we loved you so much, he says, we were delighted to share with you, not only the gospel, it's right here, he says, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God but our lives as well. He says we didn't just we didn't just preach at you, we didn't just share the gospel with you, we shared our lives as well. We were like children We were like moms. We were like dads among you. We didn't just preach a message or share good advice. We shared our lives. What we learned from the Apostle Paul when it comes to sharing the good news of Jesus with people that we love and we care about and with people in our community, what we learned from the Apostle Paul is that values and beliefs are transmitted best through the context of relationship. Values and belief are transmitted best in the context of relationship that if we wanna share the gospel, the best way to do it is to share our lives as well. What was Paul's approach? It's this word right here, Paul's approach. Relationship. He says, that's that's how I shared the gospel with you. That's how I shared my beliefs with you. That's how I shared this message that God loves you and wants a relationship with you is I entered into relationship with you. He says, relationship. That was how he shared the gospel with these people. The good news of Jesus becomes real and tangible in the context of relationship. When we take an interest in people, a genuine interest in people, and we ask questions, we get to know their heart and we listen more than we speak when we love and we serve people and we sacrifice for them and we show up for them in the hard moments, in the low moments, when we're there for them, no matter what, when we celebrate, when they celebrate, but we mourn when they mourn, when we're there like moms are there for their kids, when we show up for people and we encourage them and we inspire them and and we believe in them even when they don't believe in themselves. Man, that, that's when the gospel gets real for people. It's through relationship. That was the Apostle Paul's secret sauce for sharing the gospel. It's relationship. And that method, you guys, I'm just telling you, that method of sharing the good news through relationship with people, of sharing the good news by sharing your life with people and investing your life into the lives of others, that is still, y'all, probably I would say one of, if not the most effective way to share your faith with somebody else is to share your life as well. And I know that y'all, cause I'm a product of that. That's what somebody did for me. The gospel became real to me in the context of relationship. Some of you have heard my story before and you know that um, I grew up, you know, uh, not really a Jesus follower. Uh, we did church and things like that. And my mom and dad were, were great and they, they, they did their best to point us to Jesus, but you know, I just didn't, it didn't really click for me. I wasn't like an atheist, but I, I wasn't interested in following Jesus. It just wasn't for me. I just wanted to live and do things on my terms. And so I didn't really have any sort of faith or relationship with God uh, as a young person. It wasn't until 19 years old um, after my freshman year of college uh, that I became a follower of Jesus. In the context that it happened, I came home that summer. Uh, From the University of Georgia, and my mom was like, "You're not gonna sit around and play Xbox all summer," and I was like,
1: "Oh man,"
0: you know, like, and uh, and she said, "You're you're gonna get a job," and I was like, "Well, I don't know where. Where am I gonna work?" And uh, and and so then my mom was like, "Well, I know a guy at church, and uh, his name is Gus, and he's got a landscaping business, and you can go work for him." He said he said he's agreed that you, he's got a spot for you and you can go work for him, and you know I was I was young and um, and I was like lifting weights at the time and so I was like yeah I'll just take my shirt off and get a tan you know we'll sleep girls and so like and and so I was like yeah, right, I could do that you know I'll go I'll go mow grass and get a tan and that'll be my summer and that's fine and and so uh, I went and I worked for this guy and I showed up and immediately y'all I knew there was something different about him um, he had just this outgoing personality. I think the first time I showed up at his house, he gave me a hug and I was like, oh, it's like that? You know what I'm saying? Like, like I was like, mm, you know? And, uh, and, and he just showed, and he gets in the truck and he's, you know, playing his loud Christian music. He was like, man, you heard the new David Crowder. And I was like, I don't even know who that is. And so, um, <laughs> And so he's like playing this loud Christian music and he's he's talking to me and he's getting to know me. He's taking an interest in me, just like the apostle Paul talked about. He's asking me about what I like and what are my interests. And he's finding common ground with me. And we realized, you know, we both liked a lot of the same sports. We had a similar story. We'd gone to the same university. We'd made some of the same mistakes. We're kind of sharing a little bit of life. He's taking an interest. He's asking me questions. He's genuinely curious about me. And all the while he's talking to me, he's sharing about Jesus, about his relationship with Jesus, about how faith has made a difference on his life. He's not being pushy or weird. He's just sharing about his own life and just the difference that it's made. And we're having conversations and he'd he'd ask me from time to time, hey man, can I pray for you? And I didn't always have things, but sometimes I did. And, and I would invite him to pray for Hey, yeah, you know, you can be praying about this. Malone's got this doctor's appointment. You know, she's, she's you know, years, years cancer-free, but, you know, she, you know, these are always nerve-wracking appointments. You can be praying for that. And then he would text me in the middle of the week and go, hey, man, I was praying about that. What? I thought that was just like what Christians said. Praying for you, see you never. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's what I thought. But he would follow up. He would follow up. And we talked and he would invite me. Y'all He invited me all the time. He was trying to employ Brooklyn's tactic of inviting. He would invite me all the time to these Bible studies that he was doing at his house. And I was like, nah. And so uh, I said, no, and it didn't even phase him. He would just be like, all right, well, maybe next week. And so he would just invite. He keeps inviting me. He's there for me. He actually became one of the first. uh, I'm sure I had experienced grace before this, but this is the time that stands out for me as one of my first, like in my memory, experiences of grace was when uh, I I came on a Monday and I was an hour late for work. I was supposed to be there like 6.30 and it's like rolling up on 7.30. I'm texting him. I'm like, I'm so sorry. And I roll up, y'all still looking and smelling like the party that I'd been at. And so he's like, oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. I was a human before I was a pastor. And so, <laughs> and so I show up and I'm like, oh, right? Like I'm, I'm looking a mess and I'm just sure he's gonna be like, bro, you gotta go home. Like you're fired, you know? And I'm thinking he's gonna let me go. And I show up and y'all, he puts his arm around me, he walks out of his garage, he puts his arm around me before we get in the truck. And he's like, man, I love you. I believe in you. He said, don't do it again, right? So and we got on to work and it was grace. I experienced grace right there. It was tangible. All summer long, we're hanging out. Like I said, I I didn't go to any of his invites and then towards the end of the summer, he invited me to come and hear one of his mentors speak at an event and y'all, at this point, he had invested in me. He had cared for me. He had served me. He had shown up for me. He had encouraged and inspired me along the way. He had done the things that the Apostle Paul talked about. He had lived. He had shared his life with me and so i I went to his thing to hear his mentor speak. And this person gets up and they speak. And it was the first time I remember hearing, really really hearing and it clicking for the first time, the gospel, that God loved me and wanted a relationship with me. I remember I was sitting in the back of a room, not not as big as this, but I was sitting in the back of a room and she does that like heads bowed, eyes closed. And I felt myself feeling emotional. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna cry. i was like, I'm not crying in front of these Christians. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not doing it. So she did the heads bowed, eyes closed. She's like, if you wanna... If you want to put your trust in Jesus, why don't you walk on down to the front? And I got up and everybody's like, you know, all the peakers, you all peek. And so like, <laughs> all the peakers are like, high five, we got one, heaven, yeah, you know. <laughs> but instead I walked out the back and they were like, oh no, reverse salvation, you know, like <laughs> I walked out the back, right? I was like, I'm out of here. I don't want to get emotional in front of these people. And then he follows up with me. The next Monday we're at, we're at work and it's getting now to the end of the summer and he follows up with me, man, how, how are things? You know, what'd you think? And I just unloaded all these questions that I still had and we talked about it and he was kind and he was gentle and he was gracious and he was humble in the way that he answered my questions. He didn't try to argue with me, he just answered gently. And sometimes he even said, I don't know, which was so refreshing. When you end up having these conversations and towards the end, I'm about to head off to school. He's like, Rita, I just gotta know where you're at with Jesus. And I've told y'all this before, y'all. In that moment, I am like Eminem right now. Palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, my, my, my heart is, and I remember telling him, I said, man, I don't think Jesus loves people like me, bro. I don't look like those youth group kids. He pulled over on the side of the road, right over there by the Chevron on Highway 20, just down the road from here. And he said, Reed, look at me. And I looked at him, he said, you're exactly the kind of person that Jesus loves. He only loves sinners, man. He goes, so welcome to the club. And right there, you guys, I believed. And I put my trust in Jesus. I believed it because Gus had been believable. I believed that God loved me because Gus had loved me. And he had shown me that love. And so right there, I gave my life to Jesus. Our Guatemalan friend Santos sitting in the back seat thinking, oh, white people are so weird. <laughs> you know he's thinking that. We're like hugging it out. Like, oh, and Santos is like, oh, oh, what is happening? <laughs> that's, that's when I put my trust in Jesus, y'all. Relationship. Relationship was the conduit for the gospel becoming real to me. I believed in the gospel because Gus had not just shared the gospel with me, he shared his life with me as well. Relationship, it still works. It still works. And it is the most powerful and effective way by which we can share our faith with others. Belief and values are shared best. They are transmitted best in the context of Relationship That was Paul's secret sauce. It was Jesus's secret sauce. It was Gus's secret sauce. And, and y'all, I'm so excited. I know I'm over on my time, but listen, we got something special this morning. Uh, th- th- uh, today, you guys, this doesn't always happen um, and it hasn't happened in a long time, but we, I'm so excited that actually Gus is here today. Uh, <laughs> Gus. I have, I have said this, these words that I'm gonna share with you guys. I have said this to him personally and privately many a time, but I have not always gotten the chance, and that's why I'm excited, is that I have not gotten the chance to celebrate him publicly. And so I just wanted to share with you guys like what he means to me. I've just You guys see me a, a lot of weeks, but you had no idea what Gus looked like. And you had no idea who Gus was. Um, but... But I'm just telling you, there's no read without Gus. There's, there's no read without Gus. And uh, because he was willing to share with me, not just the gospel, but his life as well, it made all the difference in the world. And for too long, church, We have reserved evangelism for those that stand on platforms and wear microphones and call themselves pastors and professional Christians and have seminary degrees. And we've said that those are the people that are supposed to do evangelism. And yet this opportunity and this call, this invitation, it's for all of us. He didn't have a pastoral title uh, or, or a pulpit to preach. He had the front seat of a truck and he had a landscaping business and a heart for God. And he was convinced it was true. He'd been changed by the gospel and he thought that other people needed to hear about it. And he shared his life with me and it made all the difference in the world. And there's somebody in your life that needs you to be Gus to them. And maybe you already know who they are, a family member, a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, uh, one of your own children, right? Like there's somebody that needs you to be Gus to them. And maybe you don't know who it is. Maybe nobody comes to mind immediately and I would invite you to start praying for that. And, and, and Or maybe you're like, hey, you know what? I don't even have to pray about it. I'm just gonna sign up to serve at Gwinnett Church. I'm gonna get involved in somebody's life and I'll let, I'll let God do the divine connecting. Maybe, maybe that's what you need to do. But there is somebody in your life that needs you to be Gus to them. And I'm just telling you, your investment in them, you sharing your life with them could make all the difference in the world. This guy made all the difference in the world for me. So, as we're wrapping up this series, for God so loved the world, He sent Jesus, but for God so loved Gwinnett and our communities that Jesus has sent us. And an invitation could change everything, and the gospel becomes real, you guys, in the context of relationship and I'm living proof of that. We're living proof of that. And so I thought it'd be awesome. I thought it'd be fitting if we had Gus just pray over us as a church, pray a prayer of blessing and of courage uh, that we would go out and live this out in our lives so that it would be said, hey, these people shared their, shared the gospel, but they shared their lives as well. And the entire world is being turned upside down. So would you join me in praying? Gus, I'd love
1: for you to pray for us. Absolutely. Son, Reed, uh, texted him early this week. Texted him early this week that um, uh, lost people aren't looking for Jesus in the Bible; they're looking for Jesus in each one of us. And so that's what I want us just to come in agreement with and pray for mm-hmm. together. Let's pray together, Father. We just thank you for your Son Jesus. We thank you that it's only because of Him that we're able to to be here, uh, to experience what life uh, in relationship with You looks like. And and, and Father, I pray for. Uh, The people gathered here this morning in this house, or when they leave here, they look more like Jesus than they did when they got here. Uh, Lord, that you would overwhelm them with your grace and with your presence and your love and your mercy, Uh, your goodness, God, that when they leave here, they are just so overwhelmed with that, that they just want to share and show that to everyone they come in contact with. Lord, they would just run the great risk of being obedient to anything you ask them to do, no matter how crazy it is. Lord, that you you would just give them this attitude of obedience, Lord, radical obedience to what it is you ask of them. Lord, Lord, I pray that your spirit would fill them. Uh, they would overwhelm them with goodness. Lord, that everything that you've given them in and through Jesus, Lord, they would want so desperately to go and give to others. Uh, Lord, we love you. We're so grateful for you. We're so honored that we get to have breath in our lungs that shouts the name of Jesus and actions that just show the love of Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen,
0: amen, amen. amen. Well, Gwinnett Church, yeah.